NRA cancels its annual meeting, Biden bans Russian bullets, and an interview with AAPI Go members. That and more on this episode of the Weekly Reload Podcast. I made the devil run. I gave him poison just for fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Weekly Reload Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Gutowski. I'm also the founder of TheReload.com. If you want to get this podcast a day early, you can head on over to TheReload.com and buy a membership. Grab up a membership for yourself. You'll get this 24 hours before everyone else, and you'll get access to a bunch of exclusive content, including a lot of my special analysis, Um, (laughs) and uh, you will also get a extra weekly newsletter featuring my analysis that goes out every Sunday. In addition to our, of course, free newsletter that anyone can sign up for without paying a dime over at the reload.com, which goes out every Friday morning to give you the latest updates on the gun news in America. Speaking of which we will do that here now on the podcast. Um, big news this week is that the NRA canceled its annual meeting. The meeting was set to go off just a week after uh, it got canceled. So last minute cancellation there, big deal for the organization because traditionally the annual meeting is their largest fundraising event of the year where they typically have upwards of 80,000 NRA members descend onto a city to uh explore the exhibits of major gun companies, um, go to country and rock music concerts, watch speeches from uh, politicians that support the NRA, including in recent years, the president of the United States, but also many senators and governors as well. uh, And also give their feedback to NRA leadership in person, which we saw uh, become Fairly spectacular, the last NRA annual meeting back in 2019, uh, where people were upset about the allegations of of misappropriation of funds by NRA executives for their own personal use, including CEO Wayne LaPierre uh, and others at the top levels of the NRA. Um, But this year, none of that will be happening because of the rising number of COVID cases in Texas, where The event was planned to be held in uh, Houston, and uh, uh, reportedly a number of gun companies had dropped out uh, of attending the event over concerns for their staff and the safety uh, of their staff, especially given the lack of hospital beds available in Texas and staff uh, to man those beds. Uh, The state has had to call in medical professionals from other areas of the country to try and help deal with the surge in COVID cases they've seen there recently as of other states and other parts of the country. But um, apparently that was uh, enough of a risk that these companies did not want to attend this indoor meeting. Benelli confirmed to me uh, after a report from the Daily uh, Beast that it is, was, would not be, (laughs) sorry, would not be attending the event uh, due to the risk of COVID. Uh, there is has also been speculation that the aforementioned controversy surrounding CEO uh, Wayne LaPierre and the ongoing legal battle with the state of New York, where the attorney general is seeking to dissolve the organization to shut it down, that that uh, also played a role in some of the decision-making by these major gun companies 
um, to leave. I think that perhaps uh, there was a lower bar due to that uh, unfolding situation for some of these companies to uh, say no to the NRA. And, and uh, eventually enough of them pulled out of the event that uh, didn't really make sense anymore for the NRA to hold it. Uh, and of course, they said in a public statement that they wanted to avoid the risk of uh, having a COVID outbreak among staff uh, of, of the NRA and of any of the exhibitors. So uh, that event has been canceled. I actually wrote a piece uh, in addition to our news report on what this means for the NRA going forward. Uh, it's a members only piece. So again, if you buy a membership, if you go get yourself a membership, you will have access to that piece where I talk a little bit about why this matters so much financially for the organization and why that lower bar for gun companies to uh, buck whatever the NRA wants them to do matters as well. So you should head over and check that out. We had other big news this week coming out of the Biden administration where they imposed new sanctions on the Russian government in the form of an ammo ban. That's right. Uh, there will no longer be approvals for new permits to import Russian ammunition. Um, now, this does not have necessarily an immediate effect of cutting off all supply of Russian ammunition today because ongoing permits or permits that have already been approved will continue to operate. But those permits generally only extend up to two years, and any new permits or current applications will not be granted, which means that over the next two years or so, all supply of Russian ammunition into the United States will be completely choked off. Uh, the administration claims that they did this to uh, respond to the poisoning attack of one of Putin's uh, political opponents that occurred about a year ago, um, and that these sanctions are part of the response to that event, as well as his jailing once he returned uh, to Russia after he survived the, the poisoning attempt. Um, and the Biden administration says that this ammo ban, importation ban, which also would extend to all Russian-made firearms, though most of those were already uh, banned for importation due to similar sanctions against Russia. Um, and the administration says that that is what the focus of these sanctions is, to try and uh, hurt the Russian government. However, this will also certainly have a major impact on supply of ammunition in the United States, where there is already an ongoing shortage that has affected every caliber of ammunition. But obviously, this ban will affect calibers typically associated with Russian-made firearms like, you know, AK-47s or AK-74s or Makarovs and, and a lot of other firearms, which are really quite popular in the United States. But also these Russian manufacturers do make a lot of uh, common uh, NATO rounds or uh, rounds that are more popular in uh, American-made firearms like 9mm or .223 or 5.56. So, that supply will also dwindle. And it's likely that while the ban, again, won't completely shut off importations for a year or two, 
in the meantime, there will probably be a run on Russian-made ammunition, which is very popular in the United States and has been distributed at most every gun store in the country. Even Walmart sells Russian-made ammunition in the full of, form of uh, toll ammo or Tula ammo. Forgive my pronunciation there. But again, I've discussed why this will have an immediate impact in more depth over at the reload in a member's piece. So you can see, as I keep uh, pointing out here, that the, the membership is really is quite valuable. You get it quite a lot for signing up today. And this is the only ad on this show, as you guys know by this point. So uh, hopefully it's not too overbearing. But regardless, today we have an interview with members of the Asian American Pacific Islander Gun uh, Organization which features uh, a number of really wonderful um, initiatives that they've undertaken recently. Um, some really interesting things going on. They're one of the first Asian-American focused gun groups in the country. And we talk about what it's like, uh, what it's been like for them over the last couple of months that they've been in existence and what their goals are, what their plans are, how they're going to carry them out. So I will send it over to myself here in the, well, in the, I filmed this in the past, so we're going back in time, I guess, technically, but um, uh, listen and enjoy, please. All right, we are here with members from AAPI Go uh, to talk a little bit about some of the activities that they've been engaged in recently. It's a, this is a relatively new Asian American Pacific Islander uh, gun group uh, based out in California, um, and, and I'm here today with a few uh a few of the members uh of leadership and 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 uh can you guys just introduce yourselves one by one maybe uh scott you you start yeah absolutely and i would say we're kind of more of the caucasian asian pi go group today um we had a couple of folks that couldn't make it but uh i am scott i'm the co-founder of the group and uh really looking forward to chatting with everybody about all the exciting things we have going on and your name is uh, Scott Kane, right? You're the exactly, yep. Uh, one of the co-founders, and um, you also host uh, the the podcast as well, right? You're one of the co-hosts. Yeah, we we jointly host the podcast there. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, kind of like the MC, and uh, they're the rappers. Mm-hmm. And Bobby, what what about you? What's your what's your, uh, what's your role? Yeah, yeah, I. Uh... Initially joined Scott to to help out before the split, um, but then afterwards I, I kept on uh, helping out with Scott, and we're I'm on the podcast as well, um, help out with the um, events and and stuff like that. And your name, and your uh, Bobby Yang is your name. Exactly. Right? Yep. Yes. And and so you've been there since the beginning of since the, the beginning. Yeah. Of the group, and yeah, obviously there was uh, there were other members that split off into a separate group. We're not going to get too much into the into that today i just wanted to focus on what you guys have been doing and and maybe down the line i can have the other group on and talk about some of the stuff that they're doing but but uh we wanted to focus on on what you guys are up to now um because you've had some interesting events uh rafael uh what have what's uh what's your role at the group what have you been uh, uh working on them with so i also co-host the podcast uh there are four of us uh, who are regulars i also um do a bit of brand management and help uh, shape our message. Wonderful. And so you guys um, are all based in California, right? No. No. Bobby and I <laughs> are. Um, yes. Yeah, but yeah, we, 
Yeah, Raphael's the on the Democratic East Coast. People's we have Republic Malcolm as well, who's on the East Coast, and then um, okay, he who must not be named, who does not like to share his name on the air, who is also on the East Coast. But uh, so actually, yeah, uh, three out of five uh, are East Coast, but uh, primarily so, here. Yeah. So you've expanded a bit from the very early days, obviously, and now you have um, uh, more of a, a nationwide footprint, uh, at least as far as the podcast goes, right? And the the website. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, um, I mean, we we just hosted a really exciting event here in California on July 31st, but uh, we're already kind of in the midst of planning an East Coast event. Oh, really? Well, uh, before we get to that, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about that that event? Uh, th- this was a, a range day that you, you guys hosted with, with a number of uh, Asian American uh, gun owners. Uh, what was the What was the goal of that event? Well, I'd say it was like more than just a simple range day. I mean, it sort of ended up morphing into kind of like Lollapalooza for guns and first-time gun owners. So we got a bunch of people, brought them out to the desert, shot a lot of steel targets uh, under supervision of uh, NRA-certified instructors, such as the uh, great Brian Wang at uh, Monarch Defense. Um, And it just really turned into kind of like a, you know, just a good event for first-time shooters in particular where they're able to kind of try out a good variety of firearms, decide, you know, which type was right for them. Um, we had a few ladies trying AR-15s for the first time ever. It was, uh, it was great. And, uh, awesome. and the dog agrees. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and Bobby, were you at that event as well? Yep. Yeah, I was at that event. What was, uh, what was your uh, uh, takeaway from the event? What was the biggest thing that you, you uh, saw going on there? Yeah, I think for me, one of like the the biggest things was uh, just seeing the community out there. Um, like I, um, being in tech, um, most of my friends are tech people, um, and most of them uh, don't own guns or talk about them or have anything to do with them. Um, so kind of just seeing uh, like different people, um, like most of them were Asian that came out, but seeing like different people. Um, uh, from the community coming out um, and seeing that was the most most uh, um, interesting part for me. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it certainly sounds like uh, you guys are taking sort of a um, I don't know a rainbow coalition approach to to this to the way this group works. Uh, um, you know, it's sort of uh, uh, focusing on trying to help Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders get into gun ownership, but but not obviously limiting the, the membership or the people involved to, you know, a particular ethnic group or, or race or whatever. Um, it seems like much more of a uh, concerted effort. Uh, uh, is that is that like how you view it? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say so. I mean, if you think of uh, other groups that are out there, they're more like the NRA, more old school, kind of an older demographic, and we're kind of more like FPC. So we're scrappy, younger, hungrier, and kind of really doing things without any support from the uh, big gun establishment, so to speak. Uh, you know, not that we wouldn't welcome, uh, you know, some help here or there, or, you know, some partnerships, but for the most part, we're, uh, we built this from the ground up uh, and are handling everything ourselves from the social media to... Uh, event planning and everything like that. And it's really the communities are strength because we couldn't do it without the, uh, the folks out there that are, you know, listening to the podcast and uh, participating in the events. Uh, they're really what makes this whole thing possible. Certainly. And, and Raphael, uh, what, what would you say your main motivations to get involved with the group were? Yeah. So Scott actually reached out to me a while before, um, you know, things solidified. Uh, I'd expressed some views online that he, he liked and we were talking about, 
gun ownership from a not necessarily traditional right-wing perspective. And a few months later, he reached out to me. We'd been talking about doing a podcast and was like, hey, it's on. You want to do this? And so I didn't know what I was getting into. Went in and I was like, oh, this is awesome. More minorities with guns. And uh, been diehard ever since. Certainly. Wonderful. Um, And now one of the things that you guys have uh, undertaken on the more political side of things uh, is this drive to um, have Asian Americans apply for uh, concealed carry licenses in California, where obviously uh, the process is very restrictive and you're, you have to have a, a good reason, uh, you know, according to government officials there in order to be issued a permit. Uh, and obviously in certain parts of California, in certain uh, localities, they, they effectively don't issue permits to anyone. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, I think, Bobby, you uh, were part of, you actually applied as part of this, is that? Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Can yeah, you tell I, me a little bit more about why sure. uh, why you guys decided to do that and why you personally you know, got involved with that part of uh, what, what the organization is doing? Sure. Yeah. For me personally, um, I, I decided to submit my application um, because I feel like, um, like just the time that we're living in now, there's, there's definitely some civil unrest uh to say the least um and just looking at crime stats not specifically where i live um but just around the bay whether if it's in the city or if it's in the east bay um that like the crime has been rising um pretty drastically so um like that that was a pretty big motivating factor um to to apply for my my concealed carry um permit um and that um along with uh, just, I think that it, it should, um, I think that it should be given out um, more freely than it is now in the county I live in, specifically in Santa Clara. Um, I, that was another reason for me applying as well, just um, just because I, the, the county is very restrictive on who sure. they give um, these permits out to. Um, and I think um, like personal protection is, more than enough for for good cause yeah and and you mentioned uh rising crime obviously there's been a uh increase in uh specifically hate crimes committed to, uh against asian americans um including in the bay area uh you know in san francisco um is that part of the motivation here for this uh effort to have uh you know a number of asian americans apply for these kinds of permits um even though it's probably unlikely they'll be approved yeah for me it definitely was um and i think so scott had uh um, an experience of this i personally haven't um uh, thankfully um but it's it's something that i'm um, definitely aware of um so like even if it's not directed towards me um like if i'm out and i'm like with friends or just out and about um and I, I just want to be able to protect like my community, both like um, like here locally, and also kind of like um, like the larger community of the Bay, and um, also um, uh, like to my like Asian brothers and sisters as well. More specifically, mm-hmm. since like they are very rep- underrepresented um, when it comes to um, politics in general. I feel like um, sure, yeah, sure, certainly. And and Scott. Yeah. Uh, 
as Bobby alluded to there, your, your family has experienced, uh, um, th this sort of, uh, hate motivated, you know, uh, actions in the past year and a half. And in fact, wasn't that one of the, uh, uh, motivating factors for you to become a gun owner because you're you're relatively new to to owning guns um, yeah. at this point, right? Can you talk yeah. a little bit about both of those things? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, basically, it's uh, kind of covered in one of the first articles on the reload there. But to kind of recap that, um, you know, my wife and I, uh, she's Chinese, my daughter's fifty percent Chinese. We're just walking down the streets of San Jose one day, and uh, this creepy group of dudes pulled out of a pickup truck. And just, you know, yelled a bunch of racial stuff like, you know, F you, Kung Flu, go back to China. And that just felt like super, super disempowering to me. And, you know, you're reading stories about people getting followed home into their garages in Oakland and assaulted as they're taking groceries out of their car or, you know, getting mugged in parking lots or just, you know, attacked for simply being Asian. So it really got me thinking like, well, what if I wasn't there? Like, would they have been more aggressive and gone after my wife and kid, God forbid? So that's kind of like what got me interested in you know purchasing my first firearm um and coincidentally uh the day that i got my first firearm uh was the day that everything shut down uh due to shelter in place orders in santa clara county so i ended up having to wait like around 60 like 40 or 45 to 50 days to actually get my first firearm um due to you know shops being shut down and all the restrictions within california there's also a lot of people don't realize this, but like a 30 day limit on the amount of handguns uh, you can buy in the state. So because of that, you know, I ended up having to pay the fees twice, do the exam twice and all that because, uh, you know, the store that I ended up purchasing from ended up going bankrupt. Um, so that's really what kind of started, you know, the planting the seed. Um, but fast forward to about, you know, a year later, uh, April, when that horrific shooting in Atlanta happened. And um, I mean, I just felt like, that was clearly racially motivated. There was a lot of gaslighting going on. And so um, predating AAPI Go, I actually started this uh, CCW Bay Area group um, on Google, um, which was also on Reddit. And that's kind of like how I ended up meeting um, some of the original co-founders. They reached out to me and said, hey, really like what you're doing. Why don't we start collaborating on some stuff? And so that's kind of how the whole genesis of AAPI Go got started was uh, as a result of that original push for CCW applications within the Bay Area. And I would say, like, you know, the point of that exercise, I mean, we did have about 80 people sign up and commit to apply for CCWs, but we're really clear up front that chances of success are pretty much minimal. The role point is to show political impact. Um, and honestly, like, we had an application date deadline of May 31st, and uh, no one in the group that I've talked to has heard anything from the sheriff of Santa Clara County about that. I mean, it's expected, but also... I mean, I guess we have to have a pallet of iPads like Apple Security Chief in order to, uh, you know, get through to them. Right, because there's been a lot of corruption, uh, specifically in that county, when it comes yeah. to issuing uh, gun-related permits. Uh, where people There have been bribes and people have been prosecuted over it, um, yeah. uh, in case anyone who doesn't uh, understand yeah. the reference you're making there. But yeah, um, certainly the, the whole system, I guess, is what you're sort of pointing pointing out the flaws in uh, of the this May issue style law where it's up to essentially the discretion of, uh, you know, your local sheriff uh, as to whether or not you, you can get your permit, even if you are, even if you otherwise pass all of the requirements um, yeah. or have a specific 
concern, like, um, you know, a rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans. Um, Not only that, it's a perfect avenue for racism when you put, uh, you know, a legal right in the hands of one person. That person uh, essentially has unlimited potential for abuse of power. Mm-hmm. And and obviously we've seen that play out, not just in California, but also in New York, uh, whose law is now, uh, you know, at the Supreme Court, um, which actually there'll be a hearing, the, the uh, arguments on that start on November 3rd. Uh, so we'll, we'll be interesting to see how that plays out and how that might affect what you guys are trying to do in, in California uh, if may issue laws are found to be unconstitutional uh you could see um sort of the uh swift change in law uh on the front of uh concealed carry permits there um but uh rafael i was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about uh sort of the the tech uh i guess angle of this of of, of uh what you guys are doing it seems like there's a lot of um uh People who are, uh, you know, work in tech or are, you know, uh, involved in in uh, <laughs> tech tech pursuits, right? Uh, that that's also another sort of common interest in in this group. Uh, from what you you know, you guys have talked about thus far. Is that does that carry through for you as well? Yeah, I'm also a software engineer. Um, I think part of that is the number of us who live in the Bay Area, uh, just in terms of uh, our occupational demographics um but i think on another level i think we're all drawn together by our we're not your stereotypical gun owners i was raised a redneck i uh kind of hopped from lower middle class to upper middle class and you know i'm living a different life than my parents did a lot of us you know come from different backgrounds but we're all uh kind of your average yuppies and i think that appealing to the kind of person who actually needs defense more than say your average redneck these days um is a really appealing message that i think um just from the event and uh, my experience there is a really good inroad for a lot of people they can see that i'm not i'm not wearing a red hat i'm not wearing a a t-shirt with any offensive slogans on it um, but i'm eager to teach people how to defend themselves and that's i think something that a lot of people have never seen before and it speaks really well Right. And that's another thing that I, I think uh, perhaps sets uh, AAPI Go apart from, from other gun groups that exist out there uh, is is um, the way that you uh, talk about gun ownership um, and, and perhaps just your your politics in general uh, may be a bit different than... We don't talk uh, about know. politics. We talk about policy. Right. Politicians aren't our problem. The policies that they promote are. We don't mention politicians in connection with their policies. We try to keep it, uh, try to keep party names out of it. Mm-hmm. This is about what policies are best for people. It doesn't. It does matter who you vote for, but we're not here to tell you who to vote for. We're here to tell you what these laws can mean for your life. Sure, certainly, but uh, but I mean, I think it's just your approach is distinct um, uh, from a, a number of other gun groups that that tend to lean much more on the conservative side of, of the spectrum politically. Uh, not to say that, you know, you guys don't, uh, won't, won't, uh, work with, uh, or allow conservative minded people into your group or anything like that. But, but it seems to be one of the things that, uh, is a differentiator, uh, perhaps, 
for, for what you guys are doing. Is that, do you guys, I mean, do you feel that's accurate or is, am I being too broad? Well, I mean, I think it's some, we're, we're kind of a mixed coalition. So like, for example, I mean, I'm record as having uh, voted for Biden, which, you know, I may be recanting that over the last 72 hours, given what's going on in Afghanistan, uh, kind of a, uh, I don't know if this is a family-friendly podcast, but a bleep show. Um, so it's kind of kind of hard not to reconsider some of those things. Plus, you know, things like the Georgia runoffs. Who expected that was going to flip the other side and, you know, ending the filibuster? So, you know, I mean, people grow. They kind of evolved. And these guys have taught me a lot, especially on, you know, some of my views on, uh, you know, like universal background checks versus, you know, criminal background checks. A lot of people don't realize there is a distinction. One of them requires a registry of gun owners and you know you don't want that falling into the wrong hands whereas most people don't realize that when the anti-gun establishment says something like that they're completely ignoring the fact that every state has their own background system through NICS and criminal background checks um are taking place on pretty much every sale so that's been an eye-opener for me uh, in particular and uh you know kind of owe it to these guys for sort of opening my horizons a little bit you know like I said I'm sort of like Part of my role as the host on the podcast is like I'm there to listen and just kind of field questions, and most of the content is uh, coming from these guys, and uh, we're debating and having good, healthy discussions about it, and uh, it's uh, been uh, you know a fun ride so far. Sure, I think it's worth mentioning that we have different personal politics. I don't think yeah uh, you can apply one filter to all of us. I definitely yeah. have different politics than Scott and Bobby for sure, um, but we try to stay to the core issue, which is the universal right uh, to keep and bear arms, which yeah. that's the one thing we all definitely agree on. Yeah, uh, no, that makes sense. Um, so how do you foresee the, the future of this group going? Like what, what are your goals long-term? What, what do you want to um, accomplish with AAPI go? Uh, you know, obviously in the short term, I imagine you're, you're going to have more, uh, events and stuff, but I want to I want to get the the long term vision for where you guys want this group to end up. What do you want it to be, uh, and and what do you hope to accomplish with it? Well, I mean, it, it's still kind of a work in progress, but I mean, like at least my vision long term, and you know, everyone else has their own opinions on it and their thoughts and how we want it to go. But um, ideally, I'd love to see us as like the antithesis to Moms Demand Action or Newtown. You know, they're very active politically and appealing to politicians, lobbying, that sort of thing. And I just don't really see many groups on the right doing that, save for lawsuits. Um, you know, like Moms Demand Action has phone banks every week where they're calling up politicians and saying, hey, vote no on this gun legislation or vote yes on this anti-gun legislation. So finding a way to kind of like tap into that grassroots political potential and harnessing it for the greater good and the second amendment. Um, that's ultimately where I'd like to see things, uh, go, um, and providing, you know, good solid education for, uh, for folks that, uh, join the group too. And what about you guys, uh, Raphael and Bobby, what do you, what do you think? Our, uh, our core tenants are, um, education outreach and advocacy and i think that's what we're going to continue to do so we want to educate people we want to reach out to people who don't know the uh don't know they want a gun yet and we want to advocate for um for the second amendment and generally self-defense rights we don't care if it's a gun or if it's a taser tasers are illegal where i live and uh that's just as indefensible as an open carry ban or a concealed carry ban 
Um, so I think long term, we're, we want to expand all three of those. We want to reach out to more people. We want to advocate more loudly. And uh, uh, yeah, that's bigger and better. Sure, sure. What about you, Bobby? And, what uh, you... That was Mrs. Kane, by the way, there. So, uh, you know, she just dropped in to say hi. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, for me, I think um, one of, of course, I agree with our core tenets, um, but uh, I personally want to be able to um, just have more Asian Americans um, express uh, their voice and their thoughts um, because I was raised very traditionally Chinese and I was taught to keep my head down and um, just do your work, do your job, and uh, you're, you'll like like excel in life and you'll meet your goals, which I, I totally believe working hard will get you um, to where you want to be. Um, but um, just with uh, politics um, and the way that um, the country is going, I, I feel like there's um, going to be some pretty immediate action that's needed um, from like the Asian American community. I mean, I see it locally, um, uh, not with gun rights, but um, with other um, uh, things more specifically in education um, in the area I'm at where um, Asian Americans are stepping up and um, like voicing their opinions and um, fighting back. Um, so I, I personally would love to see that more. Um, and um, for me, um, I hope that my role in, in this will um, will help like other Asian Americans also see that, yes, they have a voice. Yes, they can voice their voice. Um, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, there's certainly been a lot of uh, uh, reporting on, on this idea in, in media of uh, Asian Americans sort of uh, uh, speaking up more in, in, in the political realm uh, uh, because of traditions that you've, you just spoke about, um, you know, that hasn't, that hasn't been uh, as much of a, uh, at the forefront in that community till until now. Um, and it's interesting that, that you uh, say that. So you view uh, what, you know, do you think that's something that uh, this view that, Speaking out of, on, on gun rights is something that perhaps more Asian Americans will come to to do uh, now after the last year and a half. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that it that it will happen, um, just because I believe the Second Amendment basically helps protect all of, protect all of our other rights. Um, so I think this is a very very crucial right that we can't give up on. That we can't just um, be in the background of. Um, I, I believe that we um, like really need to actively um, fight and make sure our right is um, not being infringed on. And I, I'm, I hope that um, lots of other Asian Americans can um, rally behind this and and, um, and agree as well. Um, just because like the, the Second Amendment is is probably one of the more uh, or maybe even the most controversial um, right. So it's like um, maybe not the the best place for someone who's just starting to voice their opinions about politics to start from. But uh, I'm, I, I think that, and I hope that um, eventually we'll get to a point where, um, where more Asian Americans can kind of um, not view uh, gun ownership um, as something like negative, um, because I feel like that that's pretty big in the Asian community. But to see it um, for what it really is and why the founding fathers like actually put that um, as the Second Amendment um, versus just seeing um, like all guns equal um, more violence. 
Um, yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, now, obviously, people out there, uh, th- there's going to be people who say, um, you know, why why create a, a group specifically for Asian Americans or to appeal to, uh, to Asian Americans? Why not work within other groups like the National Rifle Association or someone like that and and go through their uh, you know whatever outreach programs they have? Uh, what what do you guys think uh, sets you apart as a group um, and makes you you know makes your existence necessary makes it like valuable for for something like AAPI Go to to be out there? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, obviously, I just saw a cameo of two of the reasons that are near and dear to me of why we need a group like this. Um, I just don't want my wife and my daughter to feel like they're unsafe walking down the street or going some, you know, doing an activity as simple as shopping. Um, you know, people in the Midwest might not realize it, uh, given the fact that Asian populations are, you know, lower, but in California, huge population, New York, East Coast, etc. And this is where the epicenter of, like, all the hate crimes are happening. Um, I mean, just follow at the Limb TV on Twitter. She's an ABC News reporter, and there's, like, a case after case after case of Asians just being attacked for absolutely no reason. Um, particularly in large cities over here. So, I mean, I think the reason the group is, exists is because of that. I mean, Asians are the most targeted group. And, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not Asian, but I've kind of got a vested interest, um, as you just saw, um, with my family. And, uh, I just want to do everything I can to, uh, you know, make sure that they don't have to grow up in a world where, uh, they're seeing crap like this on the news on a daily basis, let alone, sure. uh, being in fear of experiencing it themselves. I mean, right. you know, and, it's like my in-laws don't even want to visit at this point. It's uh, just really sad. And you guys feel like the community was underserved before now? I, Can you name an Asian American uh, <laughs> group that uh, is support is supportive of firearm ownership? No, I can think of I can think of NAGA for African Americans. I can think of Pink Pistols for LGBT people. Um, I can think of a whole bunch of you know, definitely not just for white American ones. Uh, but I didn't see the niche filled before, and I think we're doing our best to fill that niche. Yeah, and and I think like like these like niche groups, whether it's us or Naga or like more like specific groups, I think they're very helpful um, because I think um, this is like widely generalized, but like normally like people of a race kind of like um, bond with each other easier. Um, like just speaking personally, like whenever I like would start school, I would always like gravitate normally towards the, the other Asian kids in school. Um, the same with at work now. Um, so it's like, um, like gun ownership being already such, um, um, a controversial topic already such, um, a stigmatized topic in, in the Asian community. I think it's hard for, um, for some people to like step out and be like, oh, I'm going to go to this um, NRA meeting or, oh, I'm going to go to this other meeting where like I'm the only Asian person there. Um, uh, I, I think, um, I mean, th- these groups are definitely very useful. Um, but mm-hmm. um, I think that um, like once once you like know what your opinions are on a certain topic and once like you like know what you believe and you like firmly believe i think there's definitely like areas where like we can integrate and help um like just in in a broader sense rather than a more specific sense um towards the so it's kind of community. uh th- there's kind of an advantage to a shared experience i guess uh is what you're getting yeah. out there mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because like like before, I didn't really I didn't really understand either. Um, because like uh, coming from tech, there was this huge um, like movement to get more like female engineers, and then there are like these like female specific meetups. And I would think, oh, why don't you just join like another meetup? Um, and then uh, and I I didn't really understand until um, uh, pretty recently, um, where I just kind of like looked over like what I did um, like throughout my career and and kind of like my childhood and growing up. And it, it made a lot a lot of sense for like people who are like share some type of commonality um, to to be in a group um, mm. j just so that um, they feel comfortable and that they're able to um, like just voice their opinions in a group that they feel comfortable sharing things with. Right, that makes sense. Um, and and I, I imagine your group also has uh, an advantage with like literally being able to speak the language of some, uh, you know, Asian Americans who, uh, don't, whose first language isn't English. Right. I mean, does that, has that come into play? Is that something that you're, um, you know, considering, uh, as part of your advantage as a group to help, uh, you know, bring more Asian Americans into, uh, the gun owning community? Yeah, I think for me, like uh, Chinese was my first language. I haven't been speaking it as much since I moved out from my parents. Um, so it's uh, it's definitely a skill I need to keep on uh, um, doing so I don't forget it, um, so I don't lose it. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely think that um, that's something that we um, are like thinking about and that will um, use to our advantage just because I, I go to the range pretty often. Um, in, in San Jose, and I would say most of the time, like half the people there I see on the pistol range are speaking Chinese. Um, so like there, there's a good amount of um, like Chinese speaking gun owners, um, especially new gun owners. Um, so yeah, I think um, there's definitely room there. That makes a lot of sense. What, um, so what, what are in the short term, uh, we talked about the long term a little bit there, well, uh, in the short term, what's what's next for AAPI Go? What what events do you have coming up? What are some of the initiatives you're looking forward to, uh, you know, getting underway? Yeah, I mean, I would say we're we're trying to plan like a bunch more like more micro events. I mean, this event was a huge scale, took like two months of planning, but uh, we definitely want to get out there to more local ranges and just you know have informal meetups uh, with. Uh, folks in the community as well um we're working on one of those uh right now so stay tuned wonderful and uh for people who want to get involved people who want to join they want to help out whether they're asian or white or hispanic or black or whatever uh what's what's the best way that they can do that how can they actually attend one of your events or or uh you know listen to your podcast or join the join the the group how how's what's the best avenue yeah see the best avenue for now is uh our website which is at aapigo.net um and then our podcast is uh aapi go cast uh so basically it's to search for that also on all the major the channels and um yeah it's a, pretty much all of our social media links are on the website as well um right in the right in the home page so we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Reddit. Uh, we have a really, you know, good Discord community, which we actually kind of use to do a live Q&A portion for our podcast every week. So if we can get more people to show up to that session, it'll be, uh, you know, a lot more exciting audio than just, uh, you know, four guys uh, 
shooting the breeze uh with occasional guests but uh yeah i'd say that's uh those are the main channels uh you know raf bobby anything to add there there are big things coming up on the podcast i'd recommend keeping an eye on it we've been talking to some very interesting people and uh getting more you know formal guests uh so we're looking forward to sharing more of that with you as uh as it comes along yeah and i'd also add that like collaborations with those guests are going to be kind of key for our growth going forward um so we're you know talking to various people who are kind of of a similar mindset in the gun influencer community who maybe aren't the coinors of the world or uh you know other folks you may have heard of but still have pretty good social presence and uh you know kind of forming coalitions with them to drive some of the political change that uh we were discussing earlier is going to be kind of key to our growth strategy uh moving forward yeah, and then for me, th- this could be more of like on a personal thing than like a API Go thing. But I'm I'm uh, opening a, a gun shop in San Jose, um, really? so I'm I'm excited to see kind of like um, like how that can work out with the API Go as well. Um, but yeah, I signed the lease um, uh, and put in my FFL application, and have been talking with the um, SJPD for a couple months now. Um, well, I sent the lease recently, but I've been talking with uh, the, the the city people for for a couple months. Sure. Well, I I imagine there aren't very many uh, Asian American gun store owners at this point. Right? There, there's not too many of them. Um, there, there's a handful for sure. Um, just in general, the Bay Area doesn't have too many uh, um, gun stores. I was right. out in uh, uh, Oakdale this past weekend, um, and there were. There were like what four, three or four gun stores in this like small town of Oakdale. Um, so like like the Bay Area d- doesn't have uh, nearly enough, in my opinion. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of sad because when you think of some of the regulations that Sam Licardo is trying to put in place at San Jose, that really just drives small mom and pop stores out of business. Uh, it doesn't affect Bass Pro Shops or Sportsman's Warehouse or Cabela's or Big Five, but uh, the little guys, uh, you know, like potentially. Uh, Bobby's business uh, are the ones that suffer most from some of those uh, restrictions. Sure. Uh, how how's that process gone so far, Bobby? It's it's been um, not the easiest, um, just because uh, uh, like uh, around here in the Bay, like different cities have different zoning restrictions, um, mm-hmm. and San Jose uh, was one of the um, lesser restrictions in terms of zoning. Um, like, uh, uh, like, uh, where I'm at on the peninsula, lots of the cities here require like a special permit that needs to go through a council and like, you're, you'll never get through the council. Um, and then like Belmont, there's like one street that has like five buildings and these are the only five buildings that can have a firearm, uh, business at. Um, so it, it's like g- getting over those, uh, zoning hoops has been, um, the hardest, um, and then uh, I think um, most of us know, like uh, San Jose, um, have new ordinances for for gun shops. Um, the biggest one being um, having um, like video recording every transaction. Um, so so that's something that um, like is 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 pretty expensive to do. Um, because it, it not only covers new gun shops, but all, all of the current gun shops need to um, need to comply. Um, so um, I don't remember who I was talking to, um, but they were saying that like um, they were talking to someone at the San Jose Bass Pro Shop, 
and it was it was like tens of thousands of dollars just to cover the the parking lot because that's one of the requirements um so mm -hmm. for like a smaller gun shop to like outfit everything where it's recording um all the transactions um and storing everything on site and then being able to um to pull up those records like is it's a it's a pretty big deal and it is a good amount of initial investment um so it's um yeah it's it's not uh not something that it, it it definitely made it harder um but um yeah like the zoning was the hardest to get past um but but you've you've gotten past that you have a, a lease now and yep do you have a do you have a name yeah yeah i do um i'm calling it enclave outfitters so not, not gonna use like firearms or anything in the name not gonna be uh um like putting the the address on the website or anything trying to keep it as as dl as possible um mm. uh but yeah um just with all the licenses i need to get um for the state of california um it probably won't be operational for another six months um mm. so it's uh yeah. it, it's it the the permits have to like be sequentially done um like one after another versus done parallel so in sure. order for me to get my san jose uh firearms resale um permit i have to first get my federal license like federal firearms license and then after i get the san jose one then i can get the state level one and then to get the state level one i need to like take classes to uh, do x y and z so it's just that there's lots of steps that go into it but they can't be done in parallel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it sounds like a long process for sure. Uh, we'll have to have you back on at some point to, to, uh, talk about it once you're through the whole thing. Sure. Um, yeah. And, and also we'll have to have the rest of you guys back on again to talk about, uh, updates with AAPI go and the, the events that you guys, uh, have here in the future. But I really appreciate you coming on this week, uh, to talk about, uh, you know, everything that's gone on with the group, you had, you know, that great uh, event that was uh, very successful, seems like. How many people showed up to that? Yeah, about 70 people showed up to it, um, excluding volunteers. So we had a core group of, uh, I think, like about like 10 to 20 volunteers that were just there, like, to help out with training. Uh, but the rest mm -hmm. were just all mostly new shooters, a couple of more experienced ones that, uh, you know, were kind of there uh to test out their gear but uh overwhelming majority are first-time folks and uh we're staying in contact with them all through our uh email marketing list and uh blog updates uh twitter posts and all of that so um yeah and most uh most of them were asian american of course yeah i would say 75 percent were asian american and the ones yeah. that weren't were mostly staff and uh a lot of women too as well right yeah, good, good, uh, good chunk of women too. I think like we had at least six that I know of that were there mm -hmm. uh, throughout the whole day. Great, great. Um, well, I'm looking forward to uh, having you guys on again to talk about future events and to cover them over at the Reload. So, uh, thank you all for once again for coming on, uh, and we will we will talk to you again real soon. Yeah, and th thank, thank you, you so much for having us on. It was a great opportunity. Really appreciate yeah, it. Thanks. Absolutely. All right, and that is it for this episode of the Weekly Reload Podcast. Uh, I think we learned a lot. I thought uh, it was the first time we had multiple guests at once, so it was quite an adventure, I think. But I think there were quite a lot of really interesting perspectives offered there from the from the guys at AAPI Go, and I think that uh, 
we will see probably more of them moving forward. I think they're going to be doing a lot of stuff that is worth writing about. So I'll continue to cover what they're doing as well as uh, what a number of other organizations uh, that try to specialize in certain uh, demographics in the gun owning community and try to grow them. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting things happening in that space. So we will continue to follow that for you. And uh, until next time, I'm Stephen Gutowski, your wonderful host. Please head over to thereload.com, get your membership today. It helps support what we're trying to do here at The Reload. It helps support our journalism. The Reload is 100% reader funded. It is an independent outlet. It does not make deals with any uh, people that we write about, no shady contracts, nothing like that. We are reliant on the readers to fund this site, to fund this reporting, and we could not do it without you. So I implore you once again to go over and buy a membership to keep us going and keep us growing and let us do more uh, exciting things moving forward, covering the kinds of stories you will not find anywhere else. Uh, but for that, <laughs> after that pitch, uh, I will say goodbye to you. See you again next time. Just for fun, I had one friend, now there's none. I made the devil run, I broke so many bones, but none of them were ever my own.